Welcome to Happy to Be Here, a mental health podcast normalizing who talks about mental health and how we talk about it. As we start to wrap up January, I want to be honest, I kind of hate the pressure resolutions place on us. In a lot of ways, our life holds many of these same responsibilities and realities in January as they did in December, yet we still tell ourselves so much needs to be different. I'm chatting with psychiatrist Dr. Sarah Oreck today about how to swap your resolutions for a healthy sense of curiosity instead. I'm Vivian, this is Happy to Be Here, and here's my conversation with Dr. Sarah Oreck. I'm so excited to be on another episode of Happy to Be Here with Dr. Sarah Oreck. We had her on a few months ago now. I mean, it feels like years ago at this point. That was a kind of Q&A with a therapist just to answer a few of like the FAQs. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. But I wanted to have her back on regularly to kind of plug in with the same motif, right? Just like, how can we check in with someone who is very expert? who knows what they're talking about, about the things that they're talking about and around the topics that may be on the shoulders of listeners right now. And so I think as we start the new year, especially the idea of habits, changing lifestyles, changing wellness routines are so top of mind and can feel so pressure oriented, particularly as we see everyone else doing them. What I'd like to ask is what has changed so drastically right? With the new year. Like, Mm -hmm. has your context changed? Has like all these things about your life um, that are going to facilitate these brand new fantastic resolutions? And so my question is like, yes, it's like this imaginary line that we draw, but like often we're not exercising every day, probably because we don't have the support to, right? We either have to take care of a family or we have too much work to do. And so my question always is, with these resolutions is like, how is your context? Are you getting more support? Are you sort of, is your life actually in the place where you can do that? and doesn't even make sense to. I think it's hard to not feel like we are pressured to make these changes, but I'm always about like smaller incremental goals can always be easier to achieve than sort of these blanketed statements, um, you know, and, and, and popular resolutions often feel like they're pretty hard on ourselves. And they're honestly like, you make such a great point, right? Because they end up being for other people in a lot of ways, right? Right. It's for the perception that we're supposed to be doing this thing as a society that suddenly turns the page. But you're right. I mean, for most people, at least, our life on December 31st was exactly the same life you woke up to on January 1st. <laughs> right, exactly. Unless like you it's, suddenly right. brought in Mary Poppins to handle right. your kids and like right. exactly. won a million dollars. If that is truth, how do you incorporate that truth into the things that you do want to change, right? And how do you ultimately build the foundation so that the change doesn't have to happen every day in January, more so it can happen across 12 months in a year? Yeah, so I think this is about, right, smaller shifts instead of, right, exercise is such a good example. Um, And it's often because we don't have the time. So I think right? Saying, oh, well, I'm going to go to the gym now that gyms are open and people are doing that um, every single day, all of January, right? Instead of saying, actually, the goal might be moving my body a bit more. So what can mm-hmm. I do to that end? Can that just be five or 10 minutes in the morning when my kids are still asleep and I can do a, like a little bit of a yoga, right? Like these small bites and then increasing that time a little bit, maybe taking that sort of trip to the gym, but not seven days a week, but maybe two days a week, right? It's about small incremental changes and also um, taking into account that like even those small changes, so the five minutes a day can also make a difference. 
ultimately, I think, too, when we talk about these incremental changes or daily habits that end up changing, it's also not about overloading your plate with so many self-care habits or so many new things that suddenly you are like just taking care of yourself becomes the full-time job. <laughs> when there's so and it many really other... shouldn't be, right? Yeah. Like self-care does not necessarily have to cost anything. It's just, it just can be thinking of yourself or taking time for yourself. And I think, right, five minutes to do some breath work and maybe move your body a little bit is a great ritual. And again, I think it's those small changes that then can add up to more sustainable change. And how much more approachable is that than saying, you know, by the end of this month, I'm going to be like a Pilates guru. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Or goals around like weight Mm -hmm. or like how muscular you have to be, right? Those are just, those are just really tough. So I think it's more about small changes in habit. And that's what I see right around a lot of other things. Like, I mean, dry January is a really popular thing that Mm -hmm. people do. And and actually, listen, I think we're probably as a society drinking too much alcohol and it's a coping strategy for a lot of us. And so mm-hmm. I think any resolution to kind of cut back on that. But again, dry January is great. But then what happens in February? Yeah, It's like then you go right back to the, like the three or four drinks after work mm-hmm. and, and sort of that January was great. But I think, again, it's because we're talking about extremes. And when you do that, you also lose the nuance of what am I actually trying to shift in my life? Like you didn't take the time to ask the questions maybe of, okay, what's bothering me is that I'm drinking too much anytime I'm stressed out. Not that I'm just drinking too much in general, right? That there's not that curiosity around the attachment of what it actually looks like or is. And I think that when we're pushed to these resolutions, we lose the time and the space of saying, well, I just want to be curious about why I want to do this or the things I want to do to actually make me feel better. Oh, I love that you brought up curiosity because that's always what I talk to my patients about because Mm -hmm. in some senses, I sometimes start being curious about these things before they are. And I always think about, right, before you make a change, before you say you're going to cut your drinking, uh, take a week to kind of be curious about when you do drink. Mm-hmm. What's that feel like? I'm actually not saying for you to stop or change any habit, but just think about, oh, this is what's happening. And actually being present when we're doing it can give us so much information. Or another great example is like, well, I have a gym membership, but I just don't use it. So t- tell me what those moments are like when you're like, maybe I should go, but what stops you? Mm-hmm. And I think that is where we actually can learn so much about ourselves and potentially, right, crack the code in, in, in actually breaking through and making change. It's so interesting because I didn't come in with the intention of making this episode about curiosity at all. But I think that that is such a better take on the year than setting intentions. Like what are the four or five questions that you can constantly draw yourself about during the year that are like, these are the questions that will help me just be more curious about myself that may lead to an action or an intention as a result of that. But that starts with a place of like, I just want to learn more about myself. Yes. And that is actually what therapy is. So Mm -hmm. it's in some ways being your own therapist, but I You know, I hear a lot from people, oh, therapy didn't work for me. They just didn't tell me what to do, right? I think we want therapists to be New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, 
divorce your husband or get mm-hmm. remarried and go to the gym five times a week and and right but that's not what it's like and i don't i actually don't think change really grows from being told what to do mm-hmm. or having these expectations without an understanding of ourselves and, and and so i actually think this is brilliant because i think it's a way of like how can we all become therapists for ourselves and actually enact change and it is by learning about ourselves before just saying like oh these are the top resolutions these are the thing these are the, this is the checklist what do you think and sorry to put you on the spot here as i am currently developing the whole premise of this episode like <laughs> on the fly what are some of those questions that we can like pepper people with right now to say like this is a really good healthy nurturing place to start because i think that that's also like for me, at least, when I'm asking these questions of myself, I try really hard to be kind versus critical. It's not coming yes. from a place of like, I'm criticizing all the things that I am not doing, but I am simply trying to notice the things that I am doing. Yeah. I mean, I think if we want to be really concrete and, and sort of actionable, it's like, let's think about your resolutions or what are the things that you really want to change. And if your resolutions seem more like right commandments or like this is what you must do this year, mm-hmm. um, right, get a new job, go to the gym or right, eat better. I think it's really a sort of thinking about each of those and asking, well, what am I doing now? What's working for me? What's not working? What do mm-hmm. I wish that I could, right? What is it about? Is it that I feel stressed out and I know that working out can be really helpful? Is that I've, mm-hmm. or is it that I've gained some weight and I want to lose some of it and sort of be more healthy, get have more energy? Right. We know food is so central to people's resolutions, but food is also very impactful in our moods, right, mm-hmm. in our functioning. Um, and so, sort of ask what our goals are, and then try to really understand where are we and meet ourselves where we actually are. I love that. And start there. Yeah. One of the things my therapist would always tell me is wherever you go, there you are. There you are. And then I think the new year comes around and we forget that. We forget that like I'm still the same person I was a month ago. Mm -hmm. And that there's power in that too, right? I don't want to lose all the parts of myself. But there's this groupthink mentality that comes with the new year with January specifically. Like you said, like dry January and like all of these other habits that are collectively done that can make us lose sight of ourselves. What are some suggestions for people who maybe have found themselves at this almost end of the month mark and feel so lost already in the sense of like either have lost their own perspective of what they want, lost themselves in the group thing mentality, or just feel like they're endlessly playing this comparison game? I know. And resolutions really bring that about or this idea, again, like as if when you turn right a different age, like that nothing has really changed from the day before to when you're, you're it's your 40th mm-hmm. birthday. Um, and so thinking about, again, how to and it's really hard with all the exposure we have to social media to comparison. But can you kind of step away from that comparison and really think about what your needs are? And start with like, am I really obsessing over this um, particular resolution? And I'll make the example of like, um, what's another one? I don't know. Do meditation every single day. Mm-hmm. Is this something that someone sort of is saying? Is this something someone else is doing? And then think about again, what is it that I need from this? What do you think you'll get from it? 
And then how can you, in your context, because you're different from that Instagram influencer, Mm -hmm. right? In your context, how can that work for you? And this is where I actually think talking to our loved ones who are our support systems can really be helpful in kind of helping the way and supporting the way towards making those changes. So if, if going on a walk every day is really important to you, Mm -hmm. um, Figure out what are the barriers to that? Are there people in your life that can help you? Do you need a buddy to do it with? Mm-hmm. And can someone sort of be on board with that if that also meets their needs? Um, so again, I think it's the real question of looking inside, but also around us, right? We're not, we don't like work independently. Like we're interconnected. And mm-hmm. I think sort of community resolutions, right? Or community goals are important. Family goals together, Um but yeah, there's something about resolution. I wish we could sort of do away with the concept. <laughs> Seriously. And you bring up a really great point that I actually had jotted down as one of the questions to ask you, which is this idea of like, we don't exist alone, right? We're not in a vacuum when we're doing any of these things for better and for worse. We can have the companion who helps us by going on the walk with us. We can also have someone around us that may say, why are you doing that? What are yeah. you doing? Why are you spending time doing that instead right. of X, Or let's have a drink every yeah. time you come home. Yeah. And so how, for people who are sitting amongst those detractors from whatever their goals may be, what are some phrases, some things that they can have in their back pocket to set those boundaries in a healthy way? Yeah, I think it's expressing curiosity about what you're doing. So I think alcohol is a great example and it's Yeah, so, that was a really I mean, good example. I mean, mm-hmm. so many people are dealing with it. So think about a couple, you know, they're both sort of drinking after work mm-hmm. and one person starts to question, oh, you know, this doesn't make me feel so great. I'm kind of hungover the next day. I'm not as, as efficient at work. I'm really anxious, mm-hmm. even though in the moment it might sort of help wind down with the anxiety, but then their partner is really stuck on drinking. And so I think the way to do it is to say, hey, I've started to explore and be a little bit curious about how I'm feeling after I drink alcohol. And I'm not sure if it's doing what I thought it did, or I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's benefiting me in the way it did. I'm kind of curious to see what it would be like to drink less or sort of change my habits around drinking. Are you curious about your drinking habits? And then you'll get a real answer. And sometimes that can be difficult because some people aren't ready to look at that, especially if there is sort of maladaptive um, skills around drinking alcohol. Um, But I think really expressing that you're curious about it, not like, hey, I'm going to stop drinking, so you should too, (laughs) or you're not helping me if you're drinking, right? It's just sort of expressing care, but also taking some accountability and responsibility for ourselves that people around us can still do things, right? We can choose whether we want to continue to be around that or not, um, but that we, if we want to change our behavior, it doesn't necessarily mean the other people around us have to, too. That's a really important point, too, right? I think so often, particularly if we live with someone, if we're around them all the time, it can feel like our energy and their energy is one energy, But actually creating that division between these are my choices, these are their choices, we're both still individuals is so important and key, especially when you're making really personal decisions about what your wellness routines will look like for like the next year or more. Right. And I think that's sort of enmeshment and and Mm -hmm. codependency of wanting our partner to do everything that we're doing or to be on the same page. And I actually think it's okay to not be on the same page. 
How do you sit with those feelings too if that person responds and they're like, actually, I'm not in a place where that is something that I want to be doing? You know, I think it's it's really challenging, but I think it's a, it's a similar thing to what you said, right? Of like, you came together as two independent people, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't fall in love with a mirror. I hope not, <laughs> right? Like this is, and that's okay. And sort of that is accepting people where they're at. Obviously, if that behavior is leading to either right, physical, emotional, any kind of abuse, that's a different story. And, and mm-hmm. when we talk about alcohol, it's a little complicated because some people do react differently um, to, to, to alcohol and other substances. But, you know, if it doesn't seem to be causing you harm, then I think it's something that really has to be in their court. A great example is when like someone gets on a weight loss kick and their partner mm-hmm. is like a little heavy or having some trouble with it. Um and yes, it might impact their health, but I, you know, keep telling someone that they need to go on a diet with you and exercise with you every day is not going to work, right? It's going to breed resentment. Yeah, I was going to say too, like another perfect example around food is if someone wants to go vegetarian. Yes. And the other person doesn't. Yes, yes. That is so challenging, right? And it's also important to be like, well, I met you when we weren't vegetarian. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. so that's a thing. But it's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, this isn't necessarily hurting me or not if this other person doesn't want to go this direction. But I think it, it is a simple one that doesn't feel as emotional as if we were yes. talking about um, weight loss or drinking. Okay, yes. But that can feel like, well, these are my decisions. And it's also, I think, very because it's less emotional, clearly also something that I can say, I am just doing this for me. And like that being a full statement. Yes. And it can, you know, I think that one can get complicated because there can be some really passionate stances, right? Both philosophically and also like in terms of the environment, but just because it's dawned upon you that, right, being vegetarian is great for the environment and, kind to animals, I think it's okay to accept that other people around us may not. And I actually think that is really important and kind of a good parallel to like the political discourse. Yes. I was going to say, what a, what a bridge there for us in general about accepting people and their own stances. And it's hard mm-hmm. and it's torn families apart, torn couples apart. But I, you know, is there a, is there a ro- route where we can really accept people that might have different opinions than us and kind of be able to listen and to have mm-hmm. a discourse around it. It's that curiosity part, right? It's the curiosity. It's the same thing. I think that, you know, the full circle of this episode really is like the more curious you can get about yourself and your habits or the people around you and their stances. I think those are where like the real changes will will happen between a January and a December, right? Where at the end of the year, you'll be able to see so much more change. Yes. And don't you agree that that curiosity, and, and look, I've, I've been in and out of veganism and vegetarianism myself at some points in my life. And I do think that there's something about someone being curious about what you're doing or curious that you're eating meat that is a lot more um, that kind of hits you a bit more than someone saying, well, you're just ruining the environment and blah, 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 blah. And it's terrible, right? Like, and I think in some ways that's where our political discourse is and why we don't hear each other anymore. And mm-hmm. people have found, right, either conspiracy theories or pe- like to be, you know, I think that's what in some ways why we're so vulnerable to that is because, right, we stopped being curious about, well, right, the other side. We try to prove our own points, right? And yes. I think that the, even with 
the dimensions we had before about just like that group think mentality for a new year's resolution it's the same concept right we try to yes. find the group or the people who can prove the point that this is something that is achievable something that we can do and listen i am all for group accountability like I yeah, post on awesome. Instagram daily where I'm just like, you know, how are you feeling today? What's the vibe? Love those. Because it, <laughs> thank you. Because they really, I do think, help people stay curious about like, oh, I haven't asked myself how I'm doing today. Maybe I will. And that's helpful. And that's always an accountability that I think can be healthy for whatever your future goals are. But what we're talking about really is just like how to not go toward the place where it makes you feel really bad about yourself, your relationships, or the the choices that you are making. Yeah. And I, and I, I really do think that it starts with curiosity and then compassion mm-hmm. for the fact that you might be very different from the person that, whose feed you're looking at on Instagram or TikTok and that that's okay, that you have some other things that you offer and, and some sort of unique gifts and it, you know, might not be becoming a bodybuilder or something. Yeah. And that also that self-compassion can go a really long way to look around your own life and be like, even if I wanted to, I can't, right? Like I have X, Y, Z responsibilities or X, Y, Z limitations. Yeah. Yeah. That may not make this specific resolution or this specific goal approachable in the same exact way. But again, like that curiosity also opens the door to what way can this make sense for me, right? It's like such an optimistic take. Oh yeah. Or is something else knocking at the door? Like I have a really great example of people that sometimes maybe have an eating disorder in the past and mm-hmm. then kind of have a resolution of like, I want to get right really into Pilates or I want to be really good at Pilates. And then we discover like in treatment, oh, is this actually something else that's kind of rearing their head back, even though you haven't had um, an eating disorder for 15 years? Those unlocks become so helpful. And honestly, like you were saying before too, as we start wrapping this convo up, but it's really important to also notice that like we're all works in progress forever like forever forever. (laughs) and so this one year is not going to make you the 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 ideal version yeah and like you're not going to check off all of the things that you want in your mental health toolkit forever because you're changed right who you are right now may not be who you are in june may not be who you are in december but there's something so wonderfully okay with that like once you accept it yes And I also think what this brings up for me so beautifully is that resolutions assume that we're not changing every single day, every single minute. And Mm we are, right? Those changes do not just happen on Jan 1st, (laughs) right? Of like this arbitrary calendar that we've decided to subscribe to. Seriously, we change the way as life changes with us, right? Like, and I think that that noticing really does make a difference. And it makes you feel like a lot less pressure too. that if you have started the year off on a foot that feels much harder than you wanted it to be, it's okay. Like life, there's still so many more months in this year, (laughs) hopefully many, many years in this life for you. And there'll be time. And I feel like that concept of time gets so rattled when we think about it in terms of society, but like actually just owning every single day makes such a difference. Such a difference. And that's actually when the change occurs. A hundred percent. Dr. Sarah Ori, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I always love coming in with like these mailbag questions and topics because you just answer them so beautifully and give people such actionable advice. Love it. I'll add all of Dr. Sarah Oryx's links to our show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, or share. Happy to be here with a friend if you can. Send it especially to any friend you feel needs to cut themselves some slack. We're all just trying our best. I'll catch you next Thursday with a new conversation.